Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. So as always, welcome to RLS podcast. This is our tax show. Uh, Today will be myself and then we've got Pete as well, who is our resident CPA. He is our CFO guru tax guy. Um, He has a wealth of knowledge, so I'm excited to hear from him today. So as always, you know, we think these calls have a lot of value for a couple of reasons. One, the topics we try to bring you, we make sure they are things that you're interested in that can benefit your business. But I also think a lot of this networking is a really valuable tool as well. Um, and so inside of that, let's, you know, work on building our network. And as Scott says, that's what helps to build your net worth. And so we're going to jump right into it. As you guys know, if you've been in past meetings or if you're new, welcome. But so I think we'll, we'll do that. We'll cut it off here. And then Pete, if you're ready, I say, let's hop into it, bud. Yeah, I'm ready. So <laughs> today's uh, topic is uh, the defined benefit plan. So I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with that, but usually the defined benefit plan is kind of a fancy word for a pension. So those are kind of going away at most major companies, but really anyone can set up a pension or a defined benefit plan. So even self-employed people, which is what usually we recommend our clients who have used solo 401ks before. So the idea of the defined benefit plan is to kind of lower current year taxes. So the idea would be to max out your solo 401k, but if you still have significant income and you don't want to pay taxes to on that, one way to lower that taxable amount would be to, sign, to create a defined benefit plan. Um, defined benefit plans, though, they do cost money to set up, and there's a yearly administrative fee. So before you decide to do a defined benefit plan, you really are going to want to do a prudent business decision. And I'd recommend not setting one up until you have about three to four years of actual steady income. So um, there's no income threshold, but you do have to contribute dollars to the defined benefit plan every year. So If you have one year, that's just really awesome where you have a couple hundred thousand in excess income. If that trend continues every year or grows, a defined benefit plan is definitely a way to start because unlike other saving accounts or 401ks, IRAs, a defined benefit plan, you can put a lot more money into it. So what's really nice about that is every dollar you put into it, you lower your current year taxes. So. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I thought you had a question. No, I do. So I was going to say what I'm hearing you telling us is that, you know, there's a right time to set up a defined benefit plan. It's not something you want to jump into too quickly. And so can you just kind of recap? I know you you dipped your toe in it briefly, but like what what are the triggers we need to be looking for as self-employed folks of when I need to start that plan? Or is it only limited to self-employed people? If I have a W-2 job as well as my real estate investment company, what does that look like for me? Yeah, so individuals that have a full-time job, but then also do side side work as consulting or as a real estate investor, um, from your side job, 
from your consulting, your real estate investment, if you're making pretty good income, you can create a defined benefit plan for that S Corp LLC that you have as a side gig, as long as it's producing a lot of income. So that side gig can then contribute to your defined benefit plan, which will lower your overall total income. And you still can have your day job. Or if you don't have a W-2 job and you're a sole proprietor or an S-Corp, you can still do a defined benefit plan as well. So um, ideally though, you'd probably want to do it when you only have one employee, which would be you. Gotcha. Am I allowed to do it when I have other employees or is the, the hard and fast rule if you've got it? Because I know with solo 401ks, you get into that idea of if you have other employees, you can't do it. it will you talk us through what it happened looks like with a defined benefit plan? So a defined benefit plan, you can set up as, for example, we use an S-Corp. If you have four employees, you can create a defined benefit plan for yourself and all of your employees. The only issue is that is the more employees you add, the more complicated the plan gets, and then the more you're going to have to fund it because- you're not funding just your retirement, you're gonna be funding the other four employees. So, gotcha. you know, if you're making millions of dollars, yeah, <laughs> that's okay to do it for your employees. But if you're on the lower end of that, you know, 100 to a million, you could just do your own uh, defined benefit plan, but you couldn't have any W-2 employees, they'd all have to be contractors. Makes sense. Okay. So one way to think would be to think of it is let's set it up for myself when I'm growing. And then when I get to a point where I'm comfortable, I want to bring on employees and maybe incentivize that employment. This is a way to incentivize that by offering. Is that right? Correct. Yes. You could incentivize them. Um, one of the, one of the things more, more fortune 500 companies do, they're getting away from the pensions, but there's employees that want that stability of a pension. So they may take a little bit below market rate pay, mm-hmm. knowing on the back end, they're going to get a guaranteed payment in retirement. So, you know, they may take 95 cents, 90 cents on the dollar today because they know they're going to get, once they retire or even have an early retirement, if the pension plan allows it, they're going to get fixed income every year until they pass. Gotcha. Okay. So from, you know, when I'm starting to think about this, okay, I want to set up this plan. My first question is how difficult is this thing going to be to set up? Is it going to be a headache for me to get going? Uh, It's not too big of a headache. Um, Really what we requires about the last three years of your W-2 statements, because that W-2 statement will kind of tell us how much money that we're going to need you to invest into the uh, defined benefit plan yearly. And then you would just hire us as your legal firm and accounting firm to set up the defined benefit plan. And then every year there's an annual report that you have to do an actuary study to make sure the plan is being funded and it has enough money in it to fund the liability when the person retires. And the nice thing about that is you can keep funding the specific specific amount. And if the market or the investments is in or keep appreciating more than we anticipate, which is around five, 6%, you could theoretically scale back your um, required funding in future years, but then you'd lose out on the tax deduction. So I just keep funding at the recommended actuary amount. Okay. All right. So we've got it set up. I think I've got an idea of how we do do that. And you talked about how Worley can hop into that or another provider. If you've got other, other team right. partners you want to work with, but so what does it look like? I've got it set up now. It's running. Is it going to be a headache for me to maintain? Is that something that is, I'm going to have to work closely with a Royal legal team member to do, or what does the, the yearly maintenance look like for it? So really the yearly maintenance is um, you will have an additional tax form you need to submit because when you do your business, return, which an S-Corp LLC, you'll have to provide that information to your actuary or the person 
in charge of your defined benefit plan. And that's what they do their study. It's an annual study that they have to do by July. Or if you do a file and extension later on in September. So okay. that's really not, once you really get that initial setup, which is kind of providing those documents, answering about 10 to 20 questions on do you want to allow early retirement, no retirement, like no early retirement or a lump sum buyout if you close it. Besides the beginning setup, there's really not that much of a hassle going on yearly. It's just that annual submission of writing a check to fund the pension when you do your tax return and then submitting that to the actuary person to make sure you're putting the right amount in. Okay. So it sounds like it's not, it's a pretty straightforward process to set it up, keep it going. And it's got a lot of benefits. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about are there any cons to it, things we need to be on the lookout for when it may not be a good fit for me. Want more information? Join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like-minded people on a similar journey to learn, share, and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs. We meet weekly for an hour in Zoom to offer knowledge and accountability. Be sure to grab the link in our show notes. Um, so one of the cons would be if your business has really wild swings in income. So um, one example I used to use, at least where I grew up in Boise, Idaho, was contractors. Some years they could have just an obscene amount of profits based on building a bunch of houses. The market kind of cools and they almost go bankrupt or have no revenue for a few years. So they, you know, really big, wild swings. Those are the type of businesses that I wouldn't recommend doing a, a defined benefit plan because you have to have that fixed cost every year that you're going to provide and spend to it. But mm -hmm. nice thing about real estate investing is yes, property prices can fluctuate, but if you have tenants, rent prices can go up or down, but they're not going to have these giant 50, 60, 70% swings. So if you set it up for real estate investment and you have all your properties that you can kind of figure out your yearly income. And ideally you're going to be adding properties and growing that revenue and that income to where you have four or five years of actual business returns where you're making the same amount of money or growing. That's when you want to look at doing the defined benefit. Okay. All right. So we talked a little bit about, you, you mentioned, you know, um, as far as yearly maintenance, there's some tax stuff that comes into play, some things we need to get to our CPAs, actuaries. So uh, is it going to cost me more, a lot more operationally to do this each year? I know I've got to fund the pension, but from an operation side, is my tax uh, burden going to go up by paying more to a CPA or what cost should I be on the lookout for? So you get the annual fee costs for the actuary uh, looks at the plan and make sure that it's being funded correctly or has the right amount. And that can range depending on who you use anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars a year. So there is that yearly cost you are going to have to pay. Okay. Um, but if you're putting thirty thousand a year in, you know that's a ten thousand dollar tax savings. You're netting about a nine thousand dollar savings. So okay. there is a cost for that. Um, again, I can't give you a specific price on what you'll get in the market, but anywhere between a thousand to two thousand is what I've been seeing. I mean, if I'm netting nine, I'm all right with a thousand though, you know? <laughs> uh, Correct. So, all right. We, I, you know, we've covered how do I set it up? How do I maintain it? What pitfalls, what cons am I going to be looking at? What costs operationally am I going to include? What are we missing though? What other things we need to know about this? Um, again, so there is kind of an issue if you've put too much money into it, if you fund it too much, you could get an excise tax where the government will charge you pretty much a fine for overfunding your pension. 
because what they what they view it as is you lower your tax bill by overfunding this. We're going to charge you a fine here to kind of recoup some of the tax savings that you had. Okay. Um, one of the disadvantages too, if you're a younger person and you start doing the pension plan, um, it's actually more beneficial for people that are later on in life because they'll reap the benefits of getting that actual return sooner. Okay. So that's that's another thing to look at. Look at. Um, you know, if you're in your mid-20s, maybe doing a pension plan is not the best, but, you know, 40s, 50s, where you can put some of the high dollar amounts into that pension plan, you know you're going to get it in five to 10 years, depending on how old you are. Okay. So. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, Brendan just popped a question in, in the chat here, Pete. It says, he's assuming this wouldn't be directly applicable to Schedule E income. Can you speak to that? No, the only way it'd be applicable to Schedule E income is if, you had an operating company that was taking in all of your revenue. And then that operating company was a Schedule C that had all of your profits. Then you would pay for it out of that. Okay. Or a property management company, however you want to okay. structure your type business. So let me ask you this. So, uh, you know, with um, like our sorrow full 1Ks and all these retirement vehicles thing we're setting up, um, we will have a beneficiary of an estate plan to make sure that we can pass that generational wealth on if we're not going to use it. Um, what does that, what does the state planning look like in regards to a pension? Are we just setting up a beneficiary like we do typically, or can you speak to how to create that generational wealth out of it? Yeah. So depending on how you set up your defined benefit plan, you can have it passed to your spouse or you can do where you hit a certain retirement age, you could actually get a lump sum payment out of that retirement plan. Okay. So there's a, there's there's lots of ways you can set up for it to be passed down to heirs or your spouse. And that's part of the plan building process. So yeah. um, it doesn't just go away. Like at certain companies, if you're single and pass away and they have a pension, company keeps it. Well, with this, you're able to determine the design. Oh no, I'm passing it on to this beneficiary or there's a lump sum payment to my estate. Awesome. That's what I was hoping to highlight because I, I know I've, I've heard stories of um, some family members of mine who had pension plans and when they passed, it didn't get passed on. And so it's this lost opportunity cost in a lot of ways where if you had done something different on that pension plan, you could have preserved that wealth. But so on this one, what you're telling me is there's ways to get around it. We build it into the plan. You're not going to lose that money because ultimately the company is yours. So Correct. Correct. Yeah, no, the big Fortune 100 companies, if you don't have the form filled out or you have your spouse labeled or who, it pretty much goes away. So, yep. Uh, we've got another question that just hopped in. It says, How does a defined benefit plan differ from a qualified retirement plan like the solo 401k? So, um, a solo 401k, you're not required to contribute to it every year. And you have your limit of that 61,000 or 21 that you can put into it. Or 2022. Um, in the sole 401k, you can go invest it in more items. You can buy real estate, you can buy gold and so forth. While a pension plan, you are having to put X amount of money to it every year, but you can put more than that 61,000. So if you have a half a million in profits from your company, you can put almost up to 200,000 into that pension plan every year. So you can significantly contribute more into a defined benefit plan than you can a sole 401k if you have the income. Um, you can also, with the defined benefit plan, you're guaranteed in essence to get a pension amount every year that you set up. While sole 401k, the market tanks, 
you may not have anything. The house you buy in it, you could not have anything. Um, and there's no required minimum distributions on a defined benefit plan while there is on a sole 401k. Okay. Um, and a couple follow-up questions we had coming on that is what would be considered overfunding and where does the excise tax come into this? So just like a high level example, let's say you can only put 50,000 in per year and you're putting 80, 90,000 in, the IRS is gonna look at your actuary balance and that's part of the annual fee that has to be done. And if they say, oh, you need 500,000 in it this year, but you have 600,000, that $100,000 difference between the five and 600,000, they'll do a little tax on that, okay. the overfunding of that. And they'll also do it if it's way underfunded, but you have a little more leeway on the underfunding. Okay. So. Hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. So uh, let's do this in Pete. So let's kind of do a, just a, a brief summary recap if you're good with it. So yeah. the things I've heard you say is, you know, this is the, the defined benefit plan, something to look at. If you're probably, you're, you've got some good revenue, you've been doing it for a couple of years, you're probably already maxing out your 401k, maybe your IRA, your self-directed things you're working with. Uh, maybe you want to be older, a little bit longer in your career. If you're in your mid-20s, might not be a good fit because you're not going to be able to collect on those funds for longer. Um, the things, pension funds, you want to be careful not to overfund them, but you've got more ability to what you can contribute than things like a 401k. Um, and then on the back end of it, you know, it's easy to set up, but it's also easy to maintain and, and run. It's going to keep your operational costs pretty minimal for the returns you're going to be getting on it. And then there is the ability to pass it on. You're not going to lose those funds if for some reason you're not able to use them if you pass on um, earlier. But is, is that kind of a, a recap? What am I missing there? Correct. No, that's a good recap. And when I say easy to set up, it, it's a complicated legal document, but the questionnaires is not too hard. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll make it easy for folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I think at this point we open it up for questions if you're good with that, Pete. Yeah? Yeah, no, that's good. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.